Today is the day that I say goodbye to this community that I have been a part of in various ways for the past eight years. I visited this church one of my first Sundays in Chicago um, in 2014 when I moved up here for grad school and then took some time off, uh, went to other churches, was hanging out, and then uh, came here to do a pastoral internship in the year 2015 2016. Yeah, that's right. 2015, 2016, I was a pastoral intern here. And now I have served here uh, as pastor for the past four and a half years. And over those years here, I have met some of the most, I'm going to adjust this, some of the most endearingly quirky and open-minded and loving and good-natured and thoughtful people I've ever known. And among you and with you, I have learned so much about what it really is to be church. I've seen that church isn't just what we do here on Sundays, and it's not just a group of friends, even though we are a group of friends who care about each other very much. Church is something that happens, and it happens almost miraculously, to and through us when we show up ready to give of ourselves. And so sometimes that looks like preparing a meal and opening your homes so that we have a space to meet. Sometimes that means playing music. One of my greatest joys here is the music that has been shared by so many of you. Sometimes it's joining a leadership team and sitting through lots of meetings. Sometimes it's organizing a game night or a dinner party. Other times it's just providing a listening ear. And of course, more often than not, most of the time, it's just showing up and being willing to share life with one another. And so what continues to amaze me is that church happens in and through these mundane and everyday moments. And yet also, as much as it happens, there's a lot of work that goes into making it happen. It takes intention and organization and lots and lots of meetings, lots of showing up, lots of listening. And so one of the times I was most struck by church happening in a way that just kind of shocked me at Root and Branch was during the height of the pandemic. It was in March 2021, and it was a Zoom social event that we planned. um, We formed this care team uh, that had various iterations, classic Root and Branch, but we formed this care team at the beginning of the pandemic, and I think it uh, it had different people over the time, John, or over its time of meeting, John, Sarah Ann, Kevin, Mariah, Caroline, people who have moved, some who are here, some who are all sorts of people, but this care team. <laughs> and we, for, we planned social events and spiritual care events uh, over our time together. And one of the events that just stuck out to me the most was something that we called Soul and Tell. It was this like open mic, show and tell sort of thing where we asked people to share something that helped them get through the pandemic. And it was a cute idea, and I was excited about it, but what we knew we needed more than anything to make it happen was a lot of invitations, a lot of emails, a lot of intentionality in asking people and reminding people that it was going to happen. As an aside, that's probably the most practical thing that I've learned at Root and Branch, is that for community to happen, you have to invite people a lot, and that's not annoying, and that's not a burden, but it's like needed. Community happens when we invite one another and remind one another patiently over and over again. So we sent out our emails, made our texts, and the night of the, e- the event came, and I wasn't sure what the turnout would be. I wasn't sure how it would go. But pretty soon, we had like 15 people online. And amazingly, right out the gate, people started sharing some of the most spiritually wise and nourishing, but also like mundane things 
uh, that I've ever experienced at Rune Branch. We had people who I had known for years play music and share songs, um, and I didn't even know that they sang or played guitar before. Uh, we had people read stories and tell us what they meant to them, and I heard sermons preached that night just off the cuff, like by the Spirit or whatever, uh, maybe better than any I've ever preached. I'll put that out there. Some beautiful things. We heard, uh, what else did we have? Oh, somebody shared a video that they took on one of their isolation walks, and it was sort of like random, but it was also very artful and beautiful, and I was like, oh yeah, like I could have more intentionality in my isolation walks. And there in that Zoom room, I felt like God showed up. And God showed up because we had the intention to show up and be there together and really let what happened happen. But more than that, God showed up because each of us shared. And so, you know, the Bible is filled with stories about God showing up and often surprising people when groups of people risk being together and actually sharing whatever they have to give. One of the stories that I think is most astonishing, um, that's an example of this in all the Gospels, it's a miracle story. Uh, so, of course, it's astonishing. But you might know it already as the feeding of the 5,000 or the miracle of the loaves and the fishes. Luke tells it like this. It's in the ninth chapter, verses 12 through 17. I'm going to drink something before I read the story. Y'all know the story, right? Okay, we're going to read it regardless. Okay, here we go. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to Jesus and said, Send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. Jesus replied, Give them something to eat. And they answered, We only have five loaves of bread and two fish, unless we go out and buy food for all this crowd. About 5,000 people were there. But he said to his disciples, Have them sit down in groups of 50 each. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Five loaves and two fish feed a crowd of 5,000. It's unbelievable. That wouldn't even be enough to fill all of us here and have a full, to feed all of us in this room a full meal. And so with most of the miracle stories, it would be really easy to dismiss this as a fairy tale something magical and foreign to our lives as we know them. We might be tempted to hear it as nothing more than some sort of forceful story trying to get us to understand how amazing and special Jesus was, or to wrap us into some ridiculous way of seeing the world. Yet, what if the story actually has something very concrete and even practical and relatable to say to us about the possibilities of our own lives? Mary Oliver has a great poem inspired by this story. She writes, why worry about the loaves and the fishes? If you say the right word, the wine expands. If you say them with love and the felt ferocity of that love and the felt necessity of that love, the fish explode into many. Imagine him speaking and don't worry about what is reality or what is plain or what is mysterious 
If you were there, it was all of those things. If you can imagine it, it was all of those things. Eat, drink, and be happy. Accept the miracle, accept to each spoken word, spoken with love. Why worry about the loaves and fishes? Why worry about how many people are gathered here today? Why worry about how tired we are, how little we feel we have to give, all of the mistakes that we feel we've made? Why worry? Whatever we have, whatever we have to give will be multiplied a, a thousand times over by love. After these years at Root and Branch, I am more and more clear that what we're trying to do here every day, every time we gather in any form, is transform the few loaves and the couple fish that we have, just this group of people here, into concrete embodiments of God's love and power in the world. We're seeking after miracles. You know, the intentions that called this community together nearly 10 years ago could be easy to write off and seem like a small thing, but they're no small thing. Sharing meals with strangers, strangers who we're going to trust to become friends, listening, really listening to one another, listening to outsiders, centering the perspectives that we've written off or that are hard to hear, loving one another through the messiness of life. Add on things like committing to anti-racism, queer liberation, and mutual aid, and living out radical care for one another. That's a lot. That's huge. And we're aspiring to that all of the time here. These aren't just values. They aren't just aspirations. They're not just our progressive politic. It's an entire way of life, and one that actually asks way more than any of us has to give. Like, there's no rational basis on which we're able to do all of those things. We don't have the skills, we don't have the time, we don't have the capacity, we don't have the staff, we don't have the roadmap, and yet we're aspiring after all of that. And that's beautiful. We're out here trying to be and live into the kingdom of God, and yet it's hard sometimes, right? It's hard because we're just everyday people. And so over my years here, I have heard about and personally struggled with in my own heart and talked to you guys about it in various ways, all of the ways that we're falling short of that vision. The good ideas that we've had that haven't come to fruition, the ways we've lost sight of these ideals, the failures, the mistakes that we've made. And I think in our honesty and our earnest desire to live into this vision, we can get stuck recounting all of the ways that we haven't done that. And that can leave us discouraged. Instead of looking at all that we have and all that we have to give, we become like the disciples that day, naming everything that we lack. I know that my mind often gets running in this direction. But I think just as Jesus asked his disciples all those years ago to see possibility where they felt shortfall, we're being asked to see possibility too. And so I think we have reason to sit again with Oliver's question. Why worry about the loaves and fishes? And remember her promise, which is also Jesus' promise. Words spoken with love, things given with love, will expand. And that's like something we really have reason to believe, because the message of the loaves and the fishes is twofold. The first is the one that's like the moral message that I think we all know on a certain level. What we're called to do as human beings, what we're called to do as Christians, is share everything that we have freely and abundantly with everyone else so that it will be multiplied by love. We know that, we believe that, we say it. But the reason that we have the ability to do that, the power to do that, and why we need not worry, and the thing I think we struggle with maybe more at Root and Branch, 
than some other places or just people alive in this time is like we're living um, in this secular world or whatever, or a lot of us have been hurt by churches or a lot of us are like deep thinkers and it's not, and nothing's wrong with that. But like we struggle to see that this is not our work to do alone. It's the work that we do with God and God does through us. That's been one of the hardest and also that God will multiply whatever we give Whatever we give, like God will multiply it. That's what God has done here through all of you showing up, through the meals we've shared, through the literal lives that have been transformed and saved here, through the friendships that have been made here, through the mutual aid fund that has made such a big difference to people's lives in the few months that it's existed. Like that's what we're doing. It's all being multiplied by God. And that's amazing and we don't have to worry. And that's hard to believe. It's hard for me to believe. But I'm more and more certain that we need to say that it's okay that we need God's help and find ways to transform our internal experience of feeling God's presence. And that can be hard, but there's some preachers uh, who've been helpful to me. So I'm going to quote one. Um, so Nadia Boltz-Weber, she's this like kind of famous uh, left progressive sermon, but she has this sermon where she writes about her own transformation from feeling like she has to do everything to letting God work through her, but also just like trusting God. And so what she writes, and it's really Jesus-y. These days I'm like, more and more into Jesus, I surprise myself. But okay, it's really Jesus-y. But Nadia Bowles Weber writes, when I rely on my strengths, when I think I have only my stingy little heart from which to draw the love from pe for people around me, when the waters are rough and storms are real, I am scared. I'm filled with fear of what is happening or not happening in my life, my home, my work. When I'm filled with fear that I don't have what it takes to live as God wants me to live, I've forgotten about Jesus, my Jesus. Jesus who's making something out of my nothings and walking towards me in the storm. That's our guy, the man of sorrows, familiar with suffering, friend of scoundrels and thieves, forgiver of his own executioners, resurrected on the third day the great defeater of death and griller of fish and savior of sinners. Jesus feeds us so that we can feed others. What we are doing and showing up here and sharing meals together and caring for one another is being fed by God so that we can go out and feed others. That's it. That's what we're doing. And it's a miracle. But doing that is not something that we can do alone. It's not something that church leadership me and Tim, and now just Tim, can do alone. Jesus didn't even try to do it alone. He asked his disciples, and he turned to God and gave thanks for the bread, and he broke it in that like communion moment before it multiplied. And so he turned to his disciples, he turned to God, and then the gifts were multiplied. And so Jesus knew the wisdom and necessity of community. Jesus knew the wisdom and necessity of spirituality to do this work of love. And it's easier to admit now that I'm leaving that when we're here in the middle of things and when we're trying to lead community and live into vision, it can be really difficult to trust community. It can be really difficult to ask for help. Community is messy and slow and unpredictable. It takes lots of time and patience and meetings and real life relationships. And so one of the hardest and most tempting things for someone working in ministry once again, I'll say as I leave, is to try and um, do all of this by ourselves. Whether it's 
because we're hesitant to burden people by asking them to do things or because it's more efficient to do things alone or we're scared or tired or any other reason it is, making space for community to be community, making space for God to show up, practicing spirituality as the foundation of all that we do is, is difficult, but it's miraculous and it's the foundation. Like it is the foundation of what we as ministers should be doing and we need help with it. The truth is we need help with it. We can't do that even all on our own. So here on my last page, uh, as I think about my hopes for Root and Branch moving forward, is that I really hope and pray that you all find ways to continue and deepen being community together, to co-create as our value state and to share abundantly what each of you has to give, but also recognize that what we're giving comes not from ourselves, but from God. And if you're like in need of that spirituality, that connection, that community, that that's okay to ask for too. You can ask for that here, you can seek that in your own life, and it will make a difference. And we're gonna work, I hope that you'll work on that together as we've continued to do over these years. And so, really, really to close, as I leave, I'm so heartened to see this new dinner church planning group come together in action. Um, I think a few of you are here. It's really, yeah, raise your hand if you're here. I see like two of you. Uh, yeah, being led by KT and Lyle's on it, and I think Brandon and, oh, Anne. Yeah, she's stepped out. Anne and Carolyn, that's the whole team, right? They're doing really exciting work to like really get this community feeding each other again, literally, and showing up and talking, and that's all awesome, and talk to them, be excited, show up, support them. For me, the welcome tables have been, that we did prior to the pandemic, the like most amazing gift of this community. Um, it's really exciting. So I'm looking forward to that. But also I'm so excited to see what comes out of those conversations, what comes out of further worship, and the ways that transformation will continue to happen here for the better. The ways that whatever we give, whatever we um, show up and do together will be multiplied. And so I hope that things like the burgeoning mutual aid fund, maybe things like jail support night, maybe in a new form, connections with Maple Park. I was on the call with them yesterday and there might be some ways for y'all to connect with them. Let me know if you're interested. I can still talk to you about that um, from a different role, of course. But I just hope that these things grow and continue and also that you continue to discover all of the new and important and life-giving and so needed ways to be community and love in the world together. It's so needed in each of you, each of you. Like I literally mean y'all, like I know y'all. Y'all have so much to give. You've given me so much, you've given one another so much. And I don't mean like give more money or more time per se, but it's just in and of yourselves, you are gifts. You are gifts and you're being multiplied to the service of the world and that's amazing and trust that. Don't worry about the loaves and the fishes. We've got it. We've got enough, and God will do the rest. So I've been so incredibly blessed to be a part of this community these years. I'm so thankful for the space that you all gave me to learn and to grow, to try and make mistakes, and to try again and risk and see some miraculous moments. Thank you for being you. Thank you for sharing a part of your life with me. I am so excited to see what you will do together. And you'll be in my heart and my prayers, always. Amen. <laughs>